So I was thinking, how does one do it all? That's exactly what I try to find out on today's episode with Sean Hand. We talk about early hurdles in his career at KPMG, the events that led to his brand, Awkward Networker, and how Sean's struggling projects like the Furlough Network, Family Life, and even the release of a new book. I can't wait to get into this great conversation. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, how's it going, Sean? How you doing? Yeah, what's up, man? How's it going? Good, good. Uh, it's been a busy day. Uh, I'm sure, you know, as we were talking before this call, uh, you've had a pretty busy day, um, but, you know, just uh, glad for you to join us uh, here on the show. Um, yeah, man. I am excited to do it. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, you know, before we get started, I'd love for you, for those out there, uh, to tell, you know, a little bit about yourself and just give a background on who you are. Like, who is Sean Hand? Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So who is Sean Hand? I'll take you back to my, the very beginning, I guess. I was uh, born and raised in the Mayfair section of Philadelphia, in Northeast Philadelphia. And when I was 15, I met, uh, I went to Father Judge, and I met this uh, St. Hubert's girl, thought she was kind of cool, and we hung out for a little bit, and then uh, ended up marrying her, and we've been, toge- we've been together ever since. So, married my high school sweetheart, we, uh, we both went to LaSalle University together, did our undergrad there. She was in nursing, I was in just about everything else, man. I still, I still hold the record for most declared majors. I was extremely, I was extremely undecided and, and maybe still am. And then, uh, this, so that was at LaSalle and then after LaSalle, I had my job lined up in 2008 or in 2009, a really tough economic situation uh, in the middle of that recession. I was very fortunate to have my job lined up at KPMG in international tax, worked there. And, and I've been there ever since. I'm going on 12 years that I've been at KPMG, uh, a couple of different hats. Maybe you might want to get to that at some point about, you know, being a, being at one employer for, for that long as a young professional. But um, yeah, and then I uh, live in the city, live, live the, that city lifestyle. Uh, my in-laws called it the Dink, the Dink lifestyle, dual income, no kids. Uh, that was nice. We had so much money. It was ridiculous. Looking back on it now, living in the city, five-star restaurants, like, uh, like getting a picture, like margaritas and like, Walking like walking two blocks home, man, life was sweet. And then, uh, not saying life isn't great now, just looking back on it. And then we moved out to Delaware County in the Havertown region, in the Havertown area, about six years ago now, when my son was being born. Uh, now we are, you know, very fortunate. Uh, we live out here. My son just turned six over the weekend. Oh man! Well, happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. It, it, he just had his like fifth party, so uh, we might still have some party things laying around. It's crazy. I turned 33. My wife turned 33. Everyone's like, here's a card. When's Eric's sixth birthday? But, you know, like he just takes precedent, and uh, that's fine. I get that. Yeah, man. And, and you know, like it's crazy. 2020, it's just, we're just, uh, it's straight A's, man. We're both, we're, we're both still employed. We're working from home. Everybody's healthy. Uh, my kid's going back to school. So really... I mean, Austin done. everybody that I know and everyone that I've heard going through a tough year this year, it's like, I, I'll, you'll never catch me complaining right now. I just, I can't. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been an interesting year. And <laughs> I guess I'm still living that, that, uh, you know, non-married life uh, yeah. here in the city, you know, living kids. it up. <laughs> so I get what yeah. you mean. But yeah, um, you know, you've been in Philly, been in the area, you know, 
now you're working for what you said, like 12 years, I believe, all at KPMG. And so that's, that's really interesting because I think when you talk about to millennials and like that's kind of unheard of, or at least people don't really talk about that a lot. You hear the, oh yeah, you should move you know, every two years or three years to a different company. But for you, what are some obstacles that you faced along the way to, to get to where you are now, where you're looking back and you have a whole career at one company? Because I think that's really cool, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly a lot of obstacles, a lot of them self-induced, you know, I'll call them obstacles, but I could have changed it at any point and uh, I just took a, a more circuitous route. But I mean, the biggest obstacle was that I wasn't classically trained in the thing that I set out to do at KPMG. So I started out in international tax. I never took a single accounting or finance course at college. Not even a course. Like it's not even like I minored in it, took a couple courses, like nothing. So literally when I started there, they're like, hey, quick question, man. Like, how'd you get the job? <laughs> like, you know, you aren't qualified for this at all. And it's back to the thing that, you know, you and I do a lot of and, and that I, I speak a lot about is networking. And so I was able to, to meet at the time the managing partner of the Philadelphia office when I was volunteering at a, an event called uh, Coaches versus Cancer. And I met him and made his wife laugh. And we had a, we had a good time. He handed me his card. He said, let me know if you're interested in, you know, a job after college. And I saw it said KPMG. And I was like, is that a radio station? Like, I, I, is that like smooth jazz? Is it like the low 90s? Like, <laughs> I never, a smooth sound to KPMG. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even know what it was. And then when he told me, obviously, I was like, well, that was kind of a dumb question. Because he was like, no, it's like a big four professional services firm, like billions and billions of revenue. <laughs> you just have had your head under a financial rock for a while. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I, I followed up, man. It was 08. I mean, I, I didn't have anything lined up. I was a international economics major, whatever that means, and otherwise just every leisure study you could think of. So my first obstacle is really five years into it because I still didn't see that as an obstacle. One of the things I said in my interviews is like, look, I'm the youngest of four. I've seen what my brothers and sisters are going through. Everything that I know is that coming out of college, the first thing you do is de-learn everything you just learned and then relearn it particular to that company, that industry, that market, whatever. So just forget about the first part and just take, just see me as a clean slate. I will learn quicker than anybody, I promise you. The quicker thing, that was apparently a lie. I didn't really follow through on that one, but I learned a lot. And within those five years, I was always the first one there, always the last one to leave, because I was one to prove to, you know, a couple of people that put their name on my name that, that they did the right thing and that they took it. I wanted to give them the, the, the return on that investment that they put in me. And so after five years, picked my head up and I won their, their national, KPMG has a, a national chairman's award that they give out to the top 16 people out of, I think at the time it was like 30,000, 32,000 people we had across the country, the top 16 people. And I won it. And it's, you don't self-nominate. It's other people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like what an accomplishment. And they send you up to New York and you have this like, Schwanky thing and everybody wow. slaps you on the back and, and gives you all these kudos and it was awesome and that whole time that i was doing this award filled with pride they had this little like tongue-in-cheek moment with me everybody that I talked to was like hey you know you got this because of the way that you you interact with the clients not your technical skills right like because <laughs> technically speaking you're not at all like where you should be in fact you're like pretty subpar but you're working like I'm bringing in clients, I'm building business and stuff. Like that. And so that was kind of that hallmark moment where it was like, dude, I'm getting an award for something that's not even in my roles and responsibilities. Yeah. What if 
that wa- that those were my roles and responsibilities. And for me, that was kind of a turning point. Where I was like, look, uh, it's been five years. My first child was on the way. I don't like this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to work harder. I don't want to learn this technical side of, of the house. I did it for five years. Um, I want to do this other thing that apparently people are putting a lot of faith in me. And so to KPMG's credit, they're like, yeah, all right, let's go figure it out. And then so I started, I moved over to global marketing and I worked with my global marketing team for four years. And then after that, moved over to actual business development where, you know, I, uh, I have a quota and, you know, you know, hand needs a sale, you know, what I got to do to get you in a KPMG service today. And, and uh, feeling that pressure is, uh, is cool. It's exhilarating. It's fun. You wake up every morning going after the next thing. There's not, nothing recurring. But yeah, obstacles. One was just imposter syndrome constantly feeling like, dude, I'm, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Like, what am I doing here? The second thing was, sorry, I'm a, I, I had a, a kid invasion. <laughs> I, I understand. I have three nephews, so I'm I, like, I don't necessarily, you know, can't empathize, but I definitely sympathize with the, just the random, you know. They came in at the perfect time when it was like obstacles. Um, hmm. And then they <laughs> come flying in like, there's one and two right there. And so the other thing was, it's like, what is the imposter syndrome of, of feeling like you don't actually, like you're not qualified for that job. And then two, the big thing is when I moved over to business development, I was more of a young professional. Sorry, man. You're going to have to do some editing. Uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> I, uh, uh, then the second thing is the age difference. So when I moved over to business development, at any point, I'm selling to someone that's 20, 30, 40 years my senior. Uh, and so as a like late 20-year-old, early 30-year-old in business development, there, there's a big age gap that you need to bridge quick because you may only get... 10, 15 minutes rubbing shoulders with a CFO or a VP at a, at a Phillies game before they completely write you off, right? Before they put you at the kid's table and then you're done. And then they don't see you as a peer. You can't sell them anything. And so bridging that gap in a very quick, expedited way uh, was a, a huge hurdle that I've learned a lot and I think I'm doing pretty well, but I'm still, you know, still working on that for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you got your foot in the door through just being a personable person really. And just being someone who's, Hey, I'm a friendly face and, and, you know, you back it up and, you know, I'll, I'll support you in whatever way to, to kind of, you leverage that to get your first role. Then you realize like, Hey, wait, I can actually turn this more towards what I want to do in my actual career and, and make a living off of that. Cause you know, after, after having that realization, that's pretty cool that they kind of sat you aside and said like, Hey, look, like, you know, like, Great, great job, but also like, hey, like, you know, you got, <laughs> yeah, don't get it confused. Like, yeah, know why you won this. And that's, yeah, I mean, it is to, to your point, man. It's cool. I mean, they could have easily just let it go. And then I would have faded off, right? And, and been washed out by other really strong technical people. But to their credit, they were like, look, man, here are your strengths, here are your weaknesses. Forget about your weaknesses. Come over here. Like, use, use these strengths to your advantage and help the firm. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of strengths in, in terms of, you know, the strengths finder, uh, I think it's through Gallup rather. And I'm trying to think of the author who, who, who's behind strengths finder. I'll, you know, I'll add in the show notes later, but, um, you know, really about just, you know, figure out your strengths and then just go for it because life's too short to really focus on your weaknesses rather. And, you know, when you could focus on your strengths and play to what comes natural and, and what is good for you, that that's really makes all the difference in the world. But, you know, speaking about, if you ask anybody in, in the YPC or just anybody in, in general in Philadelphia, 
um, who's heard of you, you know, everyone talks about your networking ability and, and your ability to just be there and be a person that, you know, is someone to connect with. And, and it's funny because you turn that into a brand really through the awkward networker. For you, why, why was that important? But also um, in terms of the impact you've made through that, why is that also important? I would love for you to speak to that as well. Yeah, for sure. So why is networking important? Why do I, why is it something that's close to my heart or why is building that brand? Both, to be honest, because you don't really find people who are, you know, who love networking as much, or at least I haven't as, as much as you do. A professional network almost at sometimes. Yeah, well, you just hit it. Yeah, you just answered the question because that's exactly it. Like when you, strengths finder, I, I, I'm not familiar with with that body of, of knowledge there, but I'm sure at some point there's a chapter about like, if your strength aligns with a, a weakness in a lot of other people, or, or maybe not a weakness, but something that they don't want to focus on, like you have something that's value. You have an asset. And for me, I learned a ton. I mean, I'm constantly learning, putting my foot in my mouth. I don't, don't say that. Or like, Hey, that worked. Or like, Oh man, next time that comes up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to pivot it. I'm going to put it back on them. I'm going to put the spotlight on them. I'm going to pat that person's ego. I'm going to let that person talk a little bit longer so I can fix. And as I'm writing all these things down, I'm, you know, again, maturing and going out there and I'm at five or six networking events a week pre-COVID and I'm encountering all these people and they're not, they don't seem to be, for the most part, changing or pivoting. A, a lot of it's just as awkward as it was a year prior and a year prior and a year prior. So for me, and as I started mentoring other young professionals, they're like, whoa, dude, you just helped me. Like you took four months, five months off of some of this awkward stuff that I would have had to encounter otherwise appreciate that tip, appreciate that technique, whatever. So for me, just that validation right away when I was mentoring others and they're saying, Hey, you got to share this with other people, share this with a wider audience. Uh, they were, you know, my mentees were the ones that, and my counselees were the ones that pushed me to do that. And when I started the awkward networker, you know, I, I always have to give a plug. My wife came up with the term awkward networker. Cause I love that. I love the brand name I, I, and it is, it's a registered trademark. I have actually a registered trademark from the patent office, which is cool. And uh, yes, yeah, so she, that was her doing. She came up with that, that idea. Um, but when I put it out there, awkwardnetworker.com and started putting out blog posts and, and podcasts and stuff, I kind of was waiting for, you know, the trolls, right? Like the haters, the people are like, ah, oh, dude, just like, shut up, man. We all know this. You either got it or you don't. And you're like, you know, just it's, it's BS. I'm waiting. And I, they never, for the most part, they never showed up. Like people were just so cool and they were so respectful and there were so like it, it clearly was helping people and so for me it created as i created this side brand and still had my day job right which is a very demanding job they almost created this like i keep calling it like a, it was like a symbiotic motivational setup where like my day job i'd be burnt out because day jobs you know they burn you out right like yeah. a couple, you know one week leads to another whatever and then so i would just close my laptop I'd open up my my Surface Pro or whatever for Awkward Networker, start working on the book, work on a couple of blogs, do do some LinkedIn things. And I don't know, like that got my like motivational kind of juices flowing again, my creative juices flowing again. And then when I was done with that and I went to bed, I wake up the next morning and I'm ready to do my day job again because I'm like rejuvenated from this side gig. Similarly, it's why I say it's kind of symbiotic. Like, when I started creating a side brand that was building and building and, and I had a, a book coming out and I do these speaking events, all that stuff. I'm like, look, it's building, but it's not putting a roof over my head or 
food on my kids' plates, my, my day job is, right? So it, it makes me even more motivated, like keep your day job going and like be strong so that nobody's second guessing that you're giving 100%. And so they just kind of continue to feed off of each other. And I was, I'm waiting and there's moments where it might be a little bit too much and I have to tap out for a day or two from, you know, from one or the other. But for the most part, like, you know, they're, they're really helping each other. And, and to answer your question about like what it means to me to, to like help other people networking, it's just like the term awkward networker, it, it's, that's the term for a reason. Like there's a reason I made it my brand name and my trade name is it's disarm. It's disarming and it's real. Like that's what networking is. It's super awkward, dude. Even right now in this virtual climate, it's super awkward. Like, kids come flying in and one of them tripped over the cord and almost like busted his head, you know, it's just uh, while you're trying to meet new people or, or you know, and you think, so it, it's super awkward. And so, well, any way I can help people on that, regardless of where they sit on the introvert extrovert spectrum, if I can help them meet people, be confident, be comfortable and, and ultimately build relationships that are going to help them professionally and personally, like, to me, that's how I got my job. That's how I continued getting my job. All of my mentors, it just has done so much for my life that I think it's cool if other people can start building that too. Oh, that's really inspiring. I mean, I think about when I first, you know, when I first met you really, it was through the Young Professionals Council, the Chamber of Philadelphia. And, and you know, just seeing you work a room was, I was like, who is that guy? Like who, you know, and everybody's like, oh, that's, that's Sean. Like, you don't know Sean? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sean is everybody here. And, and really, you know, just, just seeing you and watching the way you work, I, you know, in, in some ways, I, I hope that I can aspire to be like that. Because in terms of just, no matter if you're, it's your first time there, no matter if you've been there, you know, 700 times, you just acted like, hey, like, I'm here to meet someone new, and I'm going to help them and support them along. And, and so, you know, to take that kind of energy and put it into you know, this, this thing that has, you know, blogs and, and podcasts and even a book, really, that's really cool to spread that message and spread that energy even further. And I think it's really cool that, you you know, you talk about how that endeavor itself has also motivated you and given you energy for work as well. You talk about side jobs and everything. People are always like, oh, like, oh, now I got to go home and like, you know, work on my, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing or like, oh man, I got to do this. And like, that's taking energy. And, you know, I always think about that because like, for instance, like this, this is, I guess, my side hustle uh, or side project or hobby or whatever. But I think about it, it's like, you choose to do this. You know, that's something that's a choice. Like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah, for people like you and me, man, this is it right there. And, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I can speak for myself and you tell me if it's true. But like, when you, it's a, I guess it's a double-edged sword, but like, you're putting a lot of time and effort into this. I know you are. And I'm doing the same for Awkward Networkers. So when you put out content and it's crickets, it's like, oh, you're like it kills you because it's like, that was so much work. How come nobody loves me? And then, and that's, but then you just got to like, all right, move on, keep it moving. Just, you know, content is king. Quantity sometimes has a quality all its own. Just keep pushing, keep pushing. And then you get something or certain, uh, something clicks. And it's just like, all these people and maybe it's not like reactionary and it trickles over time but like people would like dm you and be like hey just want to let you know saw a couple of the last things you're doing love it great content just love everything you're doing keep it up and you're like i barely know this person and and for me and my wife is really good at like making me live in that moment because i'll be like oh isn't that nice and then i'll go on about the next thing i'm stressing over and she's like she's t- telling me all the time like you gotta stop 
you don't know that person. That was the sweetest thing I anyone's ever said to anyone. <laughs> and someone said that to you, dude. Stop, take that in. That's really cool and use that to motivate you going forward. And the last thing I'll say before we move on to the next question is when you saw me work in that room, you have to keep in mind too that working that room based upon working similar rooms in similar fashions for nine, 10 years, right? Yeah. So when I first was in that room, I was, you know, for me, a win would be like getting to know one other person. That's it, you know, and I might only spend a half hour there and that's okay. But I kept going and going and developing and pivoting and, and, and learning. And then, you know, and then you, and then you see me and it's more of a finished, more of a finished product of me working the room and knowing who to talk to, what to say, yada, yada, yada. And so I just want to say for your listeners that are listening, it's like, you know, it's not all or nothing. It just, it, it does take a long time. And then if I'm up in New York, again, pre-COVID, I was up in New York for a, a big industry event and, oh man, it sucks. It, it was not good. Like I was not a good networker. I tried to get into four different conversations, just didn't, just, it just wasn't working. Like I was one of the worst networkers in that room. Like I couldn't connect with anybody. And I, you know, went back to the hotel room and was just trying to figure like, what the hell just went, what went wrong? Like you were brutal. And uh, so that, that happens too. And you just, you just learn from it and go out to the next one and, and try to make that one better, you know? Yeah. No, I, I definitely know that feeling, but yeah, moving on. Cause you're talking about just, you have a lot of different plates. You're spinning a lot of different plates. You have a lot of different projects. And one of the projects that you've recently kind of got into, you know, especially because of COVID and just kind of the unfortunate circumstances around that, you know, a lot of people have been furloughed, a lot of people have been laid off. Um, but, you know, here you are with the furlough network. So I personally don't know much about it besides just, you know, what I've seen online through, through blogs and, and through your posts. But I would love to hear your perspective about why did you start it and kind of just what that means to you. And then, you know, possibly also the, the people that have been impacted by that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it started because I'm passionate about it in the sense of like, this is ridiculous. Like this is absolutely ridiculous that there's 30 or 40 million people that are extremely smart, extremely talented, started 2020. Like this is my year, new year, new me, best year ever. And they were right. Like they should have been, they should have been optimistic. They should have been positive. They, they had so much going for them. And now they're out of work. Like, like that to me, that infuriates me. Like they did nothing wrong. Yeah. And so that just was bothering me that, that there's 30, 40 million people that were, that were out of work through no fault of their own. And I kind of thought like, well, what can I do? And so it was like, I don't know, April or something. And over the weekend, I'm like, I'm going to make a website called furlough network. And it's going to be a repository of like all the tools that everybody needs. And it'll be a way for people to connect and all this good stuff. And so I just did it. Like I just created the website and I, I've created one with Awkward Networker and a couple other things. It just went on Wix. Wasn't that challenging? And then I kind of sat there, looked at it and I was like, but now what do I got to do? Like, it was such a cool idea. I just don't know what to do. And so three of my friends, unfortunately, were furloughed and they were some of my motivators to, to really do this. And so lucky for me that they liked the idea as well. And so they kind of came on board and they each brought such high value uh, services. Because again, people being furloughed are extremely talented people. This isn't the, the, the bottom of the barrel. These are incredibly smart people, incredibly talented people. So they really worked it with me. Man. And we now we have the, the webcast where we interview subject matter experts on resilience training and, and uh, resume writing and real estate and personal finance and all this stuff that everybody needs to know. And then we, you know, we have a tools link there with all the tools that everybody would need 
we have uh, we have now like all these experts that are dedicating their time and talent, which is incredible. They're actually, it's called our partnership page. And we have people that are like resilience experts, career coaches, uh, transition coaches that are dedicating hours of their time to our furlough network. And we partnered with an organization called I Lost My Job to Coronavirus. So now all of our members have access to over 100,000 job listings. Wow. So we're just doing whatever we can to just be a resource for people. It's completely free. I mean, we're not, there's no like ads. I mean, it's money out of my pocket for the website. And that's about it. Everything else is just our time, talent, and treasure. So, so that's all good. And, and I stand by it because I just think it's ridiculous that all, all these people are just having such crappy 2020s. And I almost have this like this feeling like I have to do something because I've been very fortunate. Like we haven't been all that impacted. We've been impacted a little bit financially. We've been impacted from a, a life perspective, having six months of trying to work from home with two little kids. But beyond that, it's like, as long as we keep our mind right, we're fine. We, we never lost our jobs. And so I just felt compelled to do that. On the flip side of that, on a selfish note, me and my friends that started this, I mean, we were getting a lot of good like press and stuff. And it's like helping our own networks. It's helping me build a safety net should things not work out, you know, with my job and like, the, the three of them, uh, one just got a job making more money than she did before, not all because of the furlough network, but a, a pretty big part of it. And two of them are now doing contract work, picking up contract jobs. And, you know, again, it's the furlough network has been been able to kind of help them, you know, elevate their own personal brand stuff. So it's kind of cool. That's incredible. Like you said, kind of, I, I haven't found anyone who was like, you know what, 2020 is not going to be my year. And then they were proven right. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, for me, especially even I was like, you know, that's why I, I, you know, at the beginning of 2020, I released the, the first season of this podcast. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like I'll release it like January and like, you know, and, and then, you know, they'll come out, people love it. And like, even me, like doing the podcast and, and putting it out there. So really I was in quarantine. I was like, well, I have nothing to do. Now I have to focus and get it done. And so like, for me, that was my personal small win. But besides that, it's just like at the end of the day though, it's, it's still, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that there's positives coming out of this. And, you know, one of those for me that I've seen is, has been the furlough network, you know, just watching it from afar and whatnot. So that's really cool. Going off of that too, you know, you're such a busy person. You've accomplished so much by being busy and by, you know, kind of getting that energy from both your day job, but also kind of these side projects that you've had. But, but really, like, how do you do it all? Yeah, yeah. I'm a very disorganized person because I say yes to everything and then and then find myself like, oh man, I'm gonna get this done. How am I gonna get this done? Oh, this is gonna be a late night. Whoever I get up early. So in, in in no way is my formula something that I would post out there like, hey, you know, here's my secrets to success. Because people will be like, dude, are you crazy? This is like this is the the ramblings of a madman. And, and and like literally, like for example, I'm trying to do this podcast with you unencumbered and like it's just there's still kids everywhere the dogs right like so 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 there is nothing nothing is perfect right now it's just the way it is how do i do it all is a good question all i would say is i struggle constantly juggling everything and, and because there is a part of you that's a perfectionist there's a part of you that doesn't like to delegate or also won't get done the way i want it to um, I struggle with both of those things. Um, and then I also, you know, struggle by, by saying yes. I say yes to a lot of things. I have an idea and I just run with it. What's been working lately is 
breaking down that second thing is, is that is I'm not a good delegator and I'm starting to find and I'm not a good investor. I don't like to invest in in like people to do things for me because it'll free up my plate, more administrative type stuff, marketing type stuff. Um, and I, like the publishing that I'm getting done for my book, like I was going to do it all and I'm doing it all on my own. And then it's like nothing gets done, dude. You've got to like write a check, man. Have somebody help you with the publishing process. Have somebody help you like run the, the webcast when you're not around and, and redo the website. Like not everything has to be done on your own. And so getting better at that lately has, has freed me up to feel like I'm getting a lot more accomplished. The one thing I will say, and this is what I think a lot of people struggle with is like, you have an idea or even at work or whatever, like it feels like you're just going like, like hundred miles an hour. Like you can't stop. Like you're just, you're crushing it. You're crushing, you're just going after it. And you're, and you're, and you're, and you're getting that reward. You're investing time. You get the reward. You invest more time. You get a stronger reward and it, and it's great. And then like suddenly it feels like it all just comes to a standstill. It's like you're in quicksand. You're working just as hard. You're putting out just as many podcasts, but your viewership, your listenership isn't increasing. You're uh, creating just as much content and, and, and your, your viewer, your engagement is going down and all that stuff. And then while all that's happening, I tell myself like, all right, instead of waiting for some big moment to happen to pull me out of this you know, slump that I'm in, what if all I have to do, like you said, like your example, like, oh man, I have to go home and work on this side gig, you know, God, I'm already so exhausted. What if instead of recording a podcast, all I had to do that night is just send one email? Like that's a send in one email this week. If I am that stressed, just listen to my mind, listen to my body. What are you stressed out about? Is it impact, impairing my ability to be a father, a, a husband, a son, uh, a, an employee, whatever? If so, introspective, if so, all right, let me ease up a little bit. Don't give up. Just all I gotta do is respond to one email this week and that's it just to keep it alive and just to keep it fresh. And what's crazy yes. is like it could do it. It could be three or four weeks later. And I only did like a tiny little thing every week. And then all of a sudden I get this like head of steam and I get up at six o'clock and I go to Starbucks and I start like banging stuff out and I'm creating new presentations and I'm doing all this stuff. And then everything just picks back up. It was like, I wasn't gone for the last four weeks. Like everybody's just, just as responsive. I don't have to apologize to anybody. Like, and, and, and it's cool. So like, sometimes it does ebb and flow, but as long as you just do something to keep it alive, as soon as you pump back into it, it, it just comes back to life. Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. I think, I think especially in the, you know, in the age of social media and, you know, Instagram and uh, other things that, you know, people are, are so busy trying to go for the home run. And I'm, de I'm definitely guilty of this as well. They're not necessarily, you know, on the days when they're not necessarily feeling like it, they're not going for kind of that bunt or that, you know, just that, you know, just getting to first base. So I, I think that's really cool that you're saying like, hey, like sometimes I do need to step back, but at the same time, I'm going to just bring it down to the smallest step possible that, you know, allows me to make some kind of progress. Really, you know, my next question was going to be, how do you maintain a healthy lifestyle? I think that answers it pretty handedly, rather. Just as a more general question, you know, how do you live your best life? You know, like, what does that look like on a daily basis? I know, obviously, within COVID, that's probably changed a lot, uh, especially, you know, with two kids, wife, dog, all at home, and, and you know, dealing with all the, the challenges from that and within, you know, your work life. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. One of the things about happiness that I learned doing the furlough network webcast 
her name is Kelly Cummings, and uh, we interviewed her, and, and she said one of the uh, studies that was done, I forget where, uh, but they found that people are at their happiest when they're making progress towards a goal. And to me, that I was like, I thought like, you know, okay, so money doesn't buy you happiness. All right, we heard that one. Uh, you know, like it's not, you know, in consumption, it's not in how big your house is. You know, I, I get all of that, but like making progress towards a goal, that's the first time I heard that. And I heard that at the perfect time because I was starting to shudder a lot of the goals I had and everything was just getting so difficult to like juggle. And, and so I just kind of shuddered everything and I felt my mental health, my emotional health, my, my fuse was, was just a mill. Like I never knew when I was going to blow up. It could have been 8 a.m. It could have been 8 p.m. Like I never knew when I had it or when my nerves were shot. And I was, I was, how do I say this? My, my scapegoat was the, was the kids is the fact that the kids are on top of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But as I took Kelly's advice and started making progress towards the goals, kind of, kind of unlocking and then, and then really pivoting. And I'll get to that in a second and, and creating new goals and then making progress towards those goals. All of a sudden, like my mental health and my emotional health and my fuse became longer. And I was like, I just felt like I was such a better emotional human a, be a better father and a better husband and better everything. And I realized that the kids were just as crazy as they always were. It, was, it wasn't their fault. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, there was something else going on. And, and for me, making progress towards new goals. Now, I said, um, I would come back to that. One of the things that I changed was for Awkward Networker, dude, I was doing presentations all over the place. And it was great. I was flying all, I was flying all over the country. And it was just so much fun. I would work a room and we'd hang out afterward, have a happy hour afterward. And, and, and I would like live, like watch people networking and like give them some tips if they were interested. And we had so much fun. And then all of that came to a screeching halt. And so for that basically put Awkward Networker at a standstill for me. And then um, as I took Kelly's advice and started talking to some mentors of like, how do I pivot? One of the things they, they were saying, well, what are people asking you? Like check the Awkward Networker inbox. What are people asking you for advice on? Like literally, 90% of it was, hey, Sean, just a quick question. Um, I need to like build a network or I need to, to sell and I need to, you know, get to know new people at my new company, whatever. How am I going to do that in a virtual world? Like all of them said that, all of them asked that. And I wasn't answering the question because I was too busy in my own mind. So then I created this presentation called Networking in a Virtual World. It's a one hour presentation. I've delivered it now over 20 times. I mean, it's just like, I can't stop delivering this presentation. People are hiring me, people are calling me. I'm doing it internally for, for my firm all over the place. And it's just like, oh, it's just give it, like, it's just the best, man. Like, I, I just, I can't tell you how much I miss that feeling of like, even if it's just faces in a box, like just talking to somebody again and, and having those butterflies and being like, oh, I feel a little sick in my stomach. Like there's 200 people on this. Like, all of those feelings I missed so much. And it comes right back. And as soon as I pivoted and, and listened to, to some really smart people, I started getting all that motivation back. And I'm telling you, man, it, it, it changed. It, it changed everything for me, you know, emotionally and mentally. And, and yeah, and then, and the last thing I'll say is, is just like, and you know this too, like, I, I just love, I genuinely love people, whether they are, um, whether they're on my side or not. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoy people. I miss people a lot. I miss hanging out with people a lot. And so that, but so that tells me like, 
kind of like how I live my life and how I like to, how I want to raise my kids to be is, it's just, you know, people are, they're all so different and they're all, and that's just, I just realized how much I miss like just being around people and getting to know new people and working with them and, and being around them. And so um, I wake up most mornings thinking like, Oh God, I have an inbox of people I need to help. Or like there's four or five people written down on a piece of paper that I need to get up with because I know that they're not, they're not doing well. And, and so for me that everything else that's going on, like whatever, I don't really have many existential crises because I just, I know with full conviction and full transparency, full objectivity that I genuinely wake up in the morning and, and genuinely try to help some people. And so knowing that I don't really, I don't let anything else really get to me. But it really sounds like you're living your purpose. It really sounds like, you know, like I, I you're waking up to serve people in, in one way or another, whether it be, you know, through being there for your family, through being there for, you know, the awkward networkers out there or being there for your company. Um, and, and so that's really cool and, and really nice to see how through serving others and through helping others, it's actually really, you know, feeding back to yourself and feeding back to, to what helps you get by every day. Uh, this might be more of an existential question, so I do apologize, but. No, that's good. Yeah. Would you just say there is a good life? You know, because I, I have my own opinions. I've shared them before in the podcast, so I won't bore any listeners out there. But uh, I'm always curious to hear uh, from everybody because, you know, the, from what I found in season one, most people would say no, but they also at the same time describe to me sounds like a good life to them. So I would love to hear, you know, if you think there is, like, what is, was that to you? A good life? Is there a good life is the question. Yeah. 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 I think there is. I don't think it, it's a precipice that you reach and you put both fists in the air and you're like, oh, I'm finally at the good life. Wow. This is, this is great. No, I mean, I just feel like the good life. Yeah. I think it exists. It exists today. It might not feel like it tomorrow, but following day I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. I am living, I am living a good life. And, and like, I'm not saying this cause I'm just on your podcast or whatever. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and I forget what I said, but we were, oh, we were talking about like famous quotes and uh, I said, you know, what's funny, super obscure quote, but it was actually from the mouth of Dave Chappelle. He was on a stand up. He was on a um, late night show, but he's telling a story about Kanye West. So Chappelle was, he was retelling the story about, when he first met Kanye West uh, and Kanye West was on his show and he was like, and they were in the recording room and they were looking at like some um, footage that hasn't been released yet or whatever. And Chappelle said, Kanye's phone rings and he picks it up and he's like, yo. And he goes, um, with Chappelle, we're watching, you know, some clips that aren't out yet or whatever. And, he, and Chappelle says, I don't know what the other person said, but all I know is Kanye West's response, this guy I never met before, his response was, Cause my life's dope and I do dope shit. And he hung up, <laughs> put it down. And to me, I was like, I remember seeing that and I'm like, what a, what an awesome way to just live your life. Like, cause my life's dope and I do dope shit. And I, I promise you, I say that more, more times than ever. Like I tell people that all the time, like, oh, well, like, you know, how'd you get this? I do this. My life's dope and I do dope shit. Like, and I, I sincerely like, you know, father and all that stuff aside, of course, you know, that's, that's the truth to happiness. But like, no, man, I wake up. And I just like, I just try to help, you know, people, you know, network and, and, and in this environment, get jobs and, and be, you know, and prevent themselves from being underemployed and that kind of thing. 
but in the end, man, I'm just trying to have fun. Like, I just want to, you know, feel fulfilled and, and do fun stuff. And if you ask me just about any time during this, literally any time, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm living a good life for sure, man. I mean, I started out by saying straight A's, dude. Like, I can't, no, nah, you'll never hear me complaining because this is it. I didn't realize that the quote came from that, but I, I do hear that quote. And I, you know, I think about that quote a lot. Um, it, it's, just, it's, it's a funny quote just because, you know, like you're, you know, you're doing dope shit. You're living your life. You're living your fullest. And I think that's, you know, kind of going back to what you said earlier too. Like, but yeah, that's the thing too. It's like, like how, who, what kind of person, what kind of person lives the life I had? I played golf with Phil Mickelson. I'm like, uh, dude, like I can, I can do a whole laundry list and you'd be like, wow, what a, what a pretentious way to, to be, to be on a podcast. And I'd be like, well, you just asked me the question if I live a good life. Like what kind of a person has some of the experiences I've had and just like straight up blessings all over the place. And then says anything other than, than this is the good life. Yeah. yeah. Is no, there anything better? I don't know, maybe, but right now, then it's a hell of a lot worse. It gets a lot worse out there. So so I'm living the good life, man. Yeah, no, on the, the kind of the flip side, might not be, you know, necessarily something negative, but one of the questions I love to ask people, because I think it's interesting to understand their fears a little bit, but like, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, and my kids are actually in the room right now, so I'll, ha I'll have to uh, keep it, uh, keep it a little like PG or whatever, but uh yeah, it's something happening to them. I think that's, that's like, that's, th that to me, that was my biggest fear. It, it, it's just something happening to them, you know, or my wife, that's for sure my biggest fear. Like for me, not to get too into it, but like, this is what insurance is based on, right? This is what life insurance is based on. Like if something happens to me, they have a huge, a huge hole that needs to, you know, the emotional and, and mental thing that I, I can't even imagine how people will get through that but they all get through it and financially they don't have to like worry about anything. That's what insurance is all about. But something happens. Yeah. If something happens to them, dude, I, I couldn't even, that's my biggest fear that like straight up. And then, and that's what happens. Like when you have kids for those, for those people listening, when they have kids, you know, did you ever hear like a new vocabulary word that you never heard before? Or like, you know, whatever, any word. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God. Like I never heard that word before. And you hear that word 15 more times that week. And you're like, is this a new word? Like, are we all just hearing this word for the first time? It's like, no, that word always existed. You just didn't know what the definition was. And so, you know, now that you know the, what it means, you're hearing it all the time. I feel sometimes it's like the same thing when you have kids. Like, the world was always a super scary place. Like, you open up the history book, you point to any page. It, there's all of the horrible, horrible, twisted, awful, terrible things that exist. They existed before you had kids, but they didn't mean as much because you didn't understand really the definition, right? And then like once they started being born, it's just like, whoa, what happened? Where was that? You know, what? when did that happen? Oh my God, what, what's going on over there? Everything's just such a big deal because now I know what the definition is. I know what that means or, or like what, what could happen. And so there is a filter that you kind of, or like a valve you kind of have to like, turn off and say like look I, I can't keep absorbing all the terrible things that may happen out there because otherwise it's it's a spiral and so long-winded answer but yeah my my biggest fear is is something bad happening to them and that's it's it's it's, it's for sure 
That's all. That's all I, that's all I can say. Anything else is replaceable. You know what I mean? Like anything else I can fix. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, the world always being a scary place and always being a dangerous place. For instance, my brother, he has three kids, you know, three nephews. Um, and for the longest time, he like news was banned in the house where like he was just like, yeah, like, you know, the world's are like, there are lots happening in the world. So, you know, let's not bring that in here, at least in, you know, the home. Cause like, let's just yeah. keep it, uh, you know, for them, like they're going to learn about the world at one point, you know? Um, but for right now, let them, like, let them be kids. Yep. And so for me personally, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite where I'm like, knowledge is power. Like if I know something, I can prevent it happening. When I realized like, no, like I can't prevent it. But you know, at the same time, it, you know, it is that juxtaposition of like, Hey, like, you got to protect what you have. So I, so I get it. And you have to protect. I mean, it is, it is for them, but it's also, it's for me too. Cause it's like it, it, to protect my own, right? Like a, a, a constantly scared parent is not a good parent. It's a horrible parent. You're, you're, cause you've got to be in, you got to be folk, you know, folk. I always say like, you've got to be all in. And then I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> so I feel like a total hypocrite right now. Y'all get the kids at the same time. Talking about how much I love them, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, it's dude, it's it. That's it's for me. It's like if, in order for me to function, this has to be right. And if I keep letting all the bad news that's happening throughout the world in, it's not it's not going to be good. And and yeah, and so I just yeah. So I, I I'm with your brother on that. Like it's self care is the theme for 2020. I feel like you know. So sure. you got you got take care of yourself. You got to take care of your mentals. Uh, you know, I think about the Marshall Lynch quote. The Marshall Lynch, yeah. Yeah, you know, got to take care of your mentals, got to take care of your body, got to take care of your chicken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of it, you know, that's what's important. But um, actually, and that's actually a good segue into my, you know, one of my final questions really was for those who are, you know, because, you know, we've talked a lot about your career and, and everything. I just think, especially with this season, you know, with what's going on in 2020, what's happened in 2020, I think a lot of people are looking for, you know, just different ideas about, you know, what's next in my career, like what's next for me as a person. Um, so I'd be curious to hear, given everything that you've done in your life, given everything that you've done in your, you know, professional life, what's something that you, what's one thing you could give to them about what you learned from your endeavors and, and you know, what's a piece of advice uh, for anybody who's looking to take the next step in their career? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Like right now, if you're thinking about right now, a good piece of advice in this climate, I would say just know that things are going to change. Some of it's going to be permanent. Some of it's not. People are going to freak out. People are going to act like it's not happening. Politics is going to be politics. That's going to always be polarizing. Like for the most part, things will change and they won't, but like ultimately people still need leaders and they need good followers and you can be both of those things for me political way not at work i mean just everywhere and where i'm not exactly accepted or i'm not exactly like their friend i have to be in a position where i can influence them but i'm not and we all find ourselves in these situations and my playbook for uh being accepted by people that i deem difficult or that don't want to accept me into their particular group or their particular function um, is to wait for the world, the universe to humble them because everyone gets humbled at some point for some reason, right? A divorce, a kid gets laid off or, or can't get into the college of their choice, or you didn't get that promotion you wanted. Like 
the universe is a way of humbling us pretty much quarterly. And in 2020, everybody's getting it. Like you don't have to wait at all. Everyone's getting it. And so this is like one of those tips that I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there, but I hope people don't, people that I do have a relationship with, I hope, I hope they don't think I'm, I'm, you know, uh, conniving in this sense, but like, if there are certain people out there that are very, that you have to influence, but they haven't really given you a time of day, now's the time that they're being humbled to then build them back up. And that's kind of my playbook. I wait for the universe to humble people. And then there I am, I swoop in, what's going on? You all right? Everything okay? How can I help you? And then I build them back up. And then once they're right back to where they were before, they look around, they're like, hold up. When I was humbled and I was down, this is the only dude that like called me and said, you know, asked me if I was okay or try to help me out or looked at my resume or talked to my son and try to get him into a program. Like this was the only guy that did it. And so that's then how I get on that level with these people. Now, again, that's, in, you know, that, that's a playbook that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But my advice to people is now is the time that everyone's being humbled. So the people that you thought were out of your reach to be in your network, the executives that you thought you would never be able to influence Right now, today that we're recording this, they're being humbled. So figure out what they're humbled by and help build them back up and help them overcome that. And a lot of it has nothing to do with their actual nine to five job. A lot of it is familial. A lot of it is, you know, organizational or personal. So go find that thing that they, you know, have been humbled by in 2020, help them overcome it. And then in 2021, 2022, I mean, you're sitting with, you know, a dozen people that you never thought you would have in your phone book, you know, you got text chains with them, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, wow. That's great advice. I think, um, yeah, it, that's an interesting way to think about it. Just, you know, you're waiting for someone to be humbling or humble rather. Um, Cause you know, really, like you said, like it's 2020, like I I've seen it with clients, both in my, you know, industry, but I've also seen it with other people's clients where they're like, people we've never talked to are coming to us and buying business from us. Whereas, you know, you couldn't get them on the phone, you know, so taking that and applying to, to kind of a career standpoint where you're like, you know, the boss or the manager that you've been trying to get in touch, like right now they might be looking for work or they might be, are not looking for work, but looking for people to get work um, in terms of, you know, contracts and stuff like that. So going to those places and going back there and, and check in, uh, I think that's a really good strategy. Yeah, and there's always a value that you can have. And that's why I keep telling people too. It's like, there's always a value. Like, and I'll ask people, like counselees, I'll say, what's your value? Like, what value are you bring in? And then they're like, their resume or like, and I'm like, nah, no, 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 nobody cares about your resume or like any of that stuff. What is your value? Like for you, you have a podcast. You can, you can bring that up and say, hey, you know, any chance I can have you on the podcast, elevate your brand, uh, you know, whatever it might be. You know, seeing with upper networker and, and that and that stuff. So it's like, what is your value? And for me, a lot of that is like my connectivity, my ability to mentor young professionals, uh, my my connections in Greater Philadelphia, awkward networker, furlough network. Those are my typical go-to values that I bring people as you know as often as I possibly can. So again, find them when they're humble, bring your values to bear to help build them up, and yeah, next thing you know, 2021, 2022, you know, you're walking around like, oh my gosh, like. Everybody, everybody knows me. I love all these people. Yeah, looking, looking pretty in 2021, hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows what the future brings, but I hope uh, a lot more positivity and a lot more 
just fortune uh, for a lot of people. Hey man, if that, if that's the truth. And I know you got to wrap it up, but like you just said it, dude, like positivity, it's so easy to like have that just be like a trite phrase, like just stay positive, stay optimistic. We're all in this together. But in reality, man, like you and I are cut from a similar cloth in that we just put out like positive vibes. We're always trying to help people. We're always smiling. Even if it's at work, we're trying to just, just, just whatever it's work, but like, doesn't mean everybody has to be miserable. We can still be smiling, like getting along. We have to stay a little bit late, but whatever, like, let's just get it done and, and work well together and help build each other up. And the more you do that, like I try to do that a lot and it always seems to work out well. Like I t- like I'm kind of ending it the way I started. Like, I'm not complaining because I just, you know, and that's what I keep trying to teach the kids. Like, you just put out some positive vibes. I don't know if it's universe or what, but you get that positivity right back at some point. I, I think, yeah, you're, you hit it right on the head. But, you know, I appreciate kind of what you've done, not only for the city of Philadelphia in terms of you know, your service with uh, the Young Professional Council, uh, but also kind of, you know, through your ventures with Awkward networker and the furlough network i, I really you, you just you're such a humbling person to to meet because really like you when i first met you again you know when our first you know was uh introduced to you i really was like oh like he's the the president of ypc you know like oh everyone knows him like oh like this guy's he probably doesn't have the time of day for me but but really you know you're just such a nice guy and such a genuine person i really appreciate you know, you coming on and, and talking to not only me, but also the people that are listening out there. Uh, so, you know, Sean, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I hope that the rest of 2020 uh, is good for you. I hope that, you know, as we go into 2021, that it's even better, uh, better days ahead. So, you know, thank you so much. I totally agree. And th- thanks for all those kind words, man. I appreciate that. It, it, it goes a long way back to what we were talking about before. It, it means a lot to me, man. It's not lost in me. So thank you. And that's the show. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune in after the new year for my interview with Will Toms of Rec Philly and recent honoree of the Forbes 30 under 30 list. As always, be sure to live, laugh, and learn. Am I allowed to curse on your show or no? Yeah, all right. So, all right, all right.